Tonight, God's Word comes to us from the prophet Habakkuk. We're going to be reading Habakkuk chapter 1 and then on into chapter 2 up to verse 4. Habakkuk chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. We hear now is God's Word. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. Are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings, them all, he brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. 
Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. And here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we are continuing in our series on the minor prophets. We have noticed that while they're not strictly chronological, there is some sense of order in the prophets. Those first six minor prophets uh, cover approximately 150 years in their ministry. Uh, following that, there is 100 years of prophetic silence. And then we come to the next three minor prophets, Nahum, who we looked at last time, Habakkuk tonight, and Zephaniah for next time. And these three you can really kind of all think of as a package because they all do their ministry in the space of about 30 years or so. Each of them has a particular focus to their message. The focus in Habakkuk is that he is the prophet who is able to interact with God. Habakkuk asks a number of questions, and God gives him answers. Now we know uh, Job had a number of questions for God. But Job didn't receive his answers till way at the end of the book. With Habakkuk, there's something of a dialogue going on between the prophet and God. So tonight we're going to look at this first chapter plus a few verses of Habakkuk. Really two questions that Habakkuk asks of God which are answered. Habakkuk has been praying to God and it doesn't seem that things are changing. So the first question he asks, God, are you listening? Are you listening to me? I've been praying to you, but it doesn't seem like you're listening. That's his first question. God, are you listening? And when he gets the answer from God to that question, his second question, hearing that answer, God, are you serious? Is your word really true? Do you really mean that is what you are doing Habakkuk questions God, but they are questions asked in faith. God, based on who you are, things just don't seem to make sense. God, help me understand what is going on. And so I think in many ways, Habakkuk is an incredibly applicable book to us today. Once again, we don't often turn to the minor prophets, but Habakkuk is a very applicable book, especially when we are going through difficulties and we call out to God in prayer. And it just seems like nothing changes. In fact, perhaps things seem to get worse. We are tempted to say, God, are you listening? Do you hear me when I pray? Tonight we get to listen in on the conversation between God and Habakkuk, that we might get instruction for how we are to turn to God and trust Him when it seems like perhaps God isn't listening. We read in verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? The people of Israel are under oppression. They are living in a time of great injustice 
Uh, the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer and being oppressed. And, and Habakkuk says, God, you need to set these things straight. These are your people. This isn't the way it should be. And he prays on their behalf, God, how long do I have to keep on praying? Because it doesn't seem like anything's getting better. There's violence in the streets. I call to you violence. And yet you do not say, God, are you listening to me? Verse 3, why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. The people were living in sinful ways. The people were disobeying God. The people were not seeking God. God, are you listening as I, as I pray for them? Why do I have to keep seeing all this injustice, all this iniquity all around me? God, are you listening as I pray to you? And then verse 4. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. There is a clash in Habakkuk's mind between his knowledge of who God is and his experience of who God is. It just doesn't seem like, like God is listening to his prayers. This doesn't seem like God is doing anything. How many times don't we face that same type of clash today? We make confession of who our God is, holy, righteous, perfect, caring for his people. All things work together for our good. But at times our perception of who God is just doesn't seem to match up. And our prayers as we call out to God again and again just don't seem to get through. It's like we pray up to the heavens and they hit a brass wall. Nothing gets through to God. We know His prayer is powerful, but it just doesn't seem to have any effect. God, are you listening? How long must I call out to you? God gives Habakkuk an answer. Verse 5. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. God answers, I am hearing. I do see what's going on. I see the iniquity of the people. I do see, and I am going to act. But I am going to act in a way that is completely unexpected. That even if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. I am going to raise up the Chaldeans, another name for the Babylonians, who will come and execute God's judgment upon Israel. We saw last time in Nahum execute God's judgment on Nineveh first. But they would also come to Israel. He said this unrighteous nation is going to come up against the people of God to judge them. Verse 7. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. They're self-serving. 
Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like eagles, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff. At rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up the earth and take it. And they sweep on by like the wind and go on. Guilty men! whose own might is their God. I am going to raise up the unrighteous to come and bring judgment upon my people. God answers Habakkuk's first question. God, are you listening? I am listening, and I'm going to give you an answer. I am working, but it's not going to be in the way you expect. Sometimes today, we wonder, God, are you listening? God, why don't you answer? And we're reminded by the prophet Habakkuk what it says elsewhere in Scripture, that God's ways are beyond our ways, and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. He says, I'm going to act in such a way that even if it was explained to you, you would not believe it. I'm going to raise up the unrighteous Chaldeans to come and bring judgment upon my people. Habakkuk receives that answer to his first question. And yet that answer seems to raise more questions. God, how can you do that? God, are you serious? You're going to take the wicked Chaldeans who are described in these terrible ways and you're going to use them to bring judgment on your own people? God, I can't imagine how you're going to do that. Because it seems to go against your very character. Verse 12, are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? God, you are eternal, and God, you are holy. Or, Lord, you have ordained them as judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. God, you can't stand to see unrighteousness. Are you serious about taking these unrighteous people and using them to judge your own? His Knowledge of who God is does not match his experience of who God is in God's answer to him. Perhaps today we, we look at the unrighteous. We look at the world. We look at those who have no concern for the things of God. And it seems like they have it all. It seems like everything's going fine for them. We, we struggle. We have difficulties. And even at times, God may use the world to bring chastisement upon the church. And we say, God, are you serious? Are you really doing that? Bringing the unrighteous to bring judgment upon the righteous? God, how is that possible? How is it possible that the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper? God, are you serious in what you are doing? He describes him in verse 14. You make mankind, that's Israel, like the fish of the sea, 
like crawling things that have no ruler. He, the Chaldeans, bring them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, and he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net, makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? God, how are you doing this that he can come and judge your people, these unrighteous Chaldeans, these Babylonians? God, are you serious? Is this really your plan? Habakkuk says in chapter 2, verse 1, I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He waits for God's answer. And once again, God will answer him. Chapter 2, verse 2. The Lord answered me, this ongoing dialogue, or answered me. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. He's saying, I'm going to give you an answer, but it's not just between you and me. I want you to write this down so it can be used to teach others, so that anyone who wants it can be brought it. He may run who reads it. I want to use this to teach others so that when things happen to them, they will know the same truth you, Habakkuk, now know. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. Verse 3, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. What God is saying to Habakkuk is that Habakkuk, you, you can't understand what I'm doing because you see only a small slice of time. There is much more, Habakkuk, that you cannot see. Yes, I will use these unrighteous to judge my people, but they will be judged as well. Judgment will also come upon them. They will not get off scot-free. And in fact, the rest of chapter 2 are the, the woes that will come upon the Chaldeans. God will use them for his purpose, and yet their unrighteousness will not go unpunished either. Their time will come. For still, the vision awaits its time. It hastens to its end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. I will not delay. In other words, just wait. Just wait. Just be patient. And I find that answer oftentimes very unsatisfying. I want to know now what God is doing. I want to know now what his plan is. Particularly, particularly when things seem to be going wrong. Particularly when something as, as unbelievable as the unrighteous judging God's people. I want to know now, God, what are you doing? And he says, wait. Wait. 
I am still in control. I am still the God who is in control, the sovereign over all things. You can trust in me. That is the ultimate answer to Habakkuk's question. God, are you listening? You can trust in me. God, are you serious? You can trust in me. Chapter 2, verse 4. Behold, his soul, that's the Chaldeans, is puffed up. It is not upright within him. On the contrast. But the righteous shall live by his faith. The righteous shall live by faith. When we read that in the book of Romans, the righteous shall live by faith, and Paul fleshes that out to show the beautiful application to our salvation. We are saved by by grace alone through faith. Paul's quoting Habakkuk. The righteous shall live by his faith. What he's saying is trust in God in spite of the circumstances. In spite of what you see around you, it is beyond your understanding. I'm doing a thing that even if I told you God said, you wouldn't get it. His ways are beyond our ways. The righteous will live by faith. We will live and not die. Now, it may seem strange to Habakkuk, it may seem strange to us, that God would use the wicked to judge the righteous. That doesn't make any sense to us. But what is even more mind-boggling is that God would judge the righteous to save the wicked. And that's exactly what He does in His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the righteous one, is placed under God's judgment that we who the wicked might have life. And we say with awe and amazement, God, are you serious? You would would pour out judgment on your own son that we who are unrighteous might receive life? That's that's the beauty of the gospel, of what God has done for us in His Son, Jesus Christ. Something, Something beyond imagination. Even if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. That God judges the righteous for the sake of the wicked. And it is that same God who calls you tonight to trust in Him. Put your faith in me. Know that I am the God who is in control. I am the God who does all things well. Oh, you may not see it yet, but await. The time is coming. God calls you tonight to put your faith and your trust in him. Put your trust in that righteous one who was judged that the unrighteous might have life. And so we would say with the prophet prophet Habakkuk, O God, you are my God, and I trust in you. 
I know, O oh God, you do all things perfectly in your time, even though I don't see it. I see the wicked coming and bringing judgment to the righteous, but you, O oh God, are still in control. In spite of my circumstances, I trust in you. And that's how Habakkuk ends his prophecy. If you want to turn over to Habakkuk chapter 3, one of the most beautiful parts of the minor prophets, beginning at verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, though everything seems to be going wrong. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. That must be our response. Our confession of faith. In spite of our experience, the just will live by faith, by our faith in God, in the one who is in control, the one who is sovereign over all things. His last verse of the prophecy, God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places. God, the Lord, is my strength. Oh God, you are my God and I trust in you. Habakkuk had too small of a vision of what God was doing. He was praying on behalf of the people, God, are you listening to me? Are you hearing my prayers? God says, yes, I am. I am listening, but my answer is going to be so far beyond you, you will not be able to understand it. I'm going to send the wicked to judge the righteous. God, are you serious? Could that possibly be your plan? When we go through those difficulties, with those hard times, and we say, God, are you listening? My prayers don't seem to go anywhere. God says the righteous will live by his faith. Put your trust in the sovereign God. When we say, God, it seems like things are getting worse. Are you serious? What's going on around me? The righteous will live by his faith. His trust in the sovereign God. O oh Lord, you are my God. Though all these things happen, there's no buds on the blossoms, there's no fruit on the vine, there's no cattle in the pen, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Lord, the God is my strength. May God give us that confession. When difficulties come, when hard times happen, that in spite of our circumstances, we believe in God's sovereignty. We, we are amazed at what he does as we see his work in his son, Jesus Christ, judging the righteous for the sake of the wicked. And he will, he, will, he will do that. He will do everything necessary to ultimately care for us, his people. Our vision is so small, but God works his perfect plan out according to his sovereignty. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we are so thankful to you that you are God over all. We confess, Lord God, you are beyond our understanding and your ways are not our ways. 
There are times, O oh God, when things go wrong and we seem to call out to you and nothing changes, but you are listening and you will act and you will act in your, in your way and in your time. Give us faith, O oh God, to trust in you, to trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, as that one who saves us from our sins, to trust in your perfect plan that will unfold to bring greatest glory to you and will ultimately be a blessing to us, your people. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's turn to number 526 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. 526, He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught, whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes where Eden's bowers bloom, by waters still, or troubled sea, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. We're going to sing all four verses, 526. Let's stand together as we sing.
receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.